This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is a Vault Studios production. It's late at night on February 27th, 1990, when gunshots ring out on a quiet residential street in Northeast Atlanta. Moments earlier, Claude McIver III had spotted a Ford Mustang in his cul-de-sac as he arrived home to let his dogs out. Tex, as he's known to most people, would step outside with a gun in hand. Three young men were sitting in the Mustang. Two would tell police they saw Tex pull out the gun and fire. First, two shots in the air, and then two shots in their direction. As the shots echo throughout the otherwise quiet neighborhood, the driver of the Mustang pulls away and drives off. One of the bullets hits the gas tank, but the three young men inside the car escape without injury. According to police reports, MacGyver at the time denied firing a weapon, but said he chased the teens on foot because he was worried about burglaries in the neighborhood. He was indicted for aggravated assault, criminal damage to property, and possession of a firearm during the commission of a crime. An attorney for Tex MacGyver would later claim it was self-defense, that Tex was fearful. The charges are serious, and Tex undergoes a psychological evaluation but he's found to not have aggressive tendencies. And for Tex, the whole mess would soon go away. Before the case went to trial, all three victims indicated they no longer wanted to press charges, and MacGyver paid restitution of $2,931. For Tex MacGyver, life goes on, as if the incident had never happened. The matter is settled privately, and the gunshots are soon forgotten by most people. But this story, buried back in the 90s, would resurface over a quarter century later, following another shooting at the hands of the same man. A shooting that would draw similar claims of fear, and a seemingly endless series of questions only one person could answer. Why did it happen? What Was this done on purpose, or was this simply an accident? All this stuff has cascaded down on you, Tex. And, and a year ago or six months ago, you couldn't have wrote a book about this and believe it would have come true. But it did come true. And, and yeah, it's heartbreaking. I'm Caitlin Ross. This is Intent, the Tex MacGyver case, Chapter 1. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. 
And for a limited time, TEND is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. To get to know Tex MacGyver, it helps to know the neighborhood he called home back in 2016. And quite simply, if you want to see where some of Atlanta's wealthiest residents live, all you have to do is take a drive around Buckhead. Uh, Buckhead, Atlanta is, I call it the, the place where the old money is. This is Vinny Politan, a former prosecutor and Court TV's lead anchor. The, the people who are from the South, not the transplants, the people who come to um, the Atlanta area, but the people who are there who have money uh, going back generations sometimes. A few years back, Vinny was introduced to the story of Tex and his wife, Diane MacGyver, while working for my station, 11 Alive News in Atlanta. He'd learned all about the MacGyver's home in Buckhead, their sprawling ranch out in the country, and about who the MacGyver's were as people and as a couple. First, there was Tex, a respected partner at a prominent labor and employment law firm in Atlanta. He was on the advisory committee of the American Bar Association's Standing Committee on Gun Violence, and Tex enjoyed his ranch in the country, golf, and his large collection of firearms. This is a guy who had been very successful as uh, an attorney, labor law attorney, um, and he was getting on in years, right? He was, he was getting towards the end of his career. Um, he was the silver-haired uh, lawyer who had, you know, had a very, very successful time um, practicing law in, in Atlanta. People knew who he was, and, and they knew his reputation. And then there was Landon Diane MacGyver, who went by Diane. She was president of U.S. Enterprises, the parent company of Corey Airport Services, a real estate holding and management company based in Atlanta. She'd worked there for more than 40 years. She was a self-made woman. Uh, it, it took her years to do it, but she had built up this incredible fortune. She had a wealth somewhere between maybe 10, 12 million dollars that she had accumulated through the years. And she was very protective of her money. And, and a lot of that, we learned, was because of her life and how she was a self-made person, a self-made successful businesswoman, a self-made millionaire. William, or Billy Corey, was the founder, owner, and chairman of U.S. Enterprises. He would later tell a jury about the kind of woman he knew Diane to be. Well, Diane was, uh, she was beautiful. She was smart, very smart. She was uh, thorough. She was generous. She was compassionate. And she was shrewd. She just, she grew with the business and she would, she could uh, understand the deal. And she was thorough. She grew from a, a timid girl to a, a, a real strong, strong business lady. And uh, she, uh, you know, around men, most of her life, our business associates, and they, she, they, 
kind of pick on her, and she got to where she, she, she took care of herself. If it needed to be, she could charm a bird out of a tree, but she, he better be careful if he crossed her. Diane was pragmatic and punctual with a love for the finer things in life, such as her extensive collection of jewelry, clothes, handbags, and furs. Like her husband, Diane spent her free time golfing or relaxing on the couple's ranch. But she worked hard and was serious about money. She'd lend money to a friend, but make sure it was paid back with interest. This was true in her marriage with Tex, too. When you look at the financial arrangement and aspect of their marriage, it was different. They, they were together, they lived together, they shared their lives together, but they didn't share their finances. Diane really kept hers separate, and Tex kept his separate. But at this point of their lives, Diane was so much more successful than Tex was. And at one point, Tex MacGyver, as a partner in this law firm, it seemed like he was being pushed out at the end. You know, it's the end of his career, and he's kind of getting shoved out the door uh, because he's not able to uh, produce the way he did earlier in his career by having the clients that that bring in the, the money to the firm. And he was at the point where he actually had to borrow money from Diane. But it was done in an official way. There, were, there, were, there was paperwork. There was an agreement. There was a payment schedule. And... When Tex would miss payments or was behind in payments, Diane would call him out on it. Over the years, Tex and Diane had gotten to know Sheriff Howard Sills in Putnam County. That's where the MacGyvers shared a ranch together in the country. And Sheriff Sills had the utmost respect for Diane and Tex. This man was the consummate gentleman at all times. Diane definitely wore the britches in that house, okay? Uh, and he was the consummate gentleman at all, all, all times. I've never seen them quarrel. That doesn't mean that, uh, I, trust me, I know. Look, I've worked enough domestic murders and domestic violence in my time to know the ins and outs. But if that was there, I never saw a shred of evidence. But even though we were friends and have been friends for a long time, you never know, you know, what goes on behind closed doors. But there was certainly nothing ever that indicated that to me. Tex and Diane were both on their second marriages. They dated for a few years and then tied the knot in November of 2005. And when they weren't in Buckhead or traveling outside Georgia, the MacGyvers loved spending time at the ranch in Eatonton, about an hour outside of Atlanta. It was a stately Victorian home with a pool, horses, and a sign on the front door that read, we don't dial 911. And it was just beautiful. It's where they would have horses and they would um, uh, throw parties and host get-togethers for friends and especially their little godson, Austin. They loved, loved spending time with him there. But it was, a, it was, it was kind of the, the labor of their, of their, of their love. Um, together, um, they wanted to have a place to go where they could get away from the city and just really enjoy themselves and, and enjoy the company of, of friends and family. Among those who spent a lot of time at the ranch were Andrew and Jane Ward, a couple whose relationship with the MacGyvers dated back to 2004, when they were looking to buy property across the street from the MacGyvers' Putnam County Ranch. 
And we did end up buying that 23 acres right across the road from his property over the next five, six, seven years as we were building the property and getting to know them. There would be a knock at the door and they'd come over on their horses and they'd they'd tie their horses up. We'd have a glass of wine and really just got to know each other from there on after. Andrew and Jane got to know the MacGyvers well and the relationship they seemed to have. They were like Uh, little children in love, weren't they? Yeah, they were uh, definitely a good couple together, uh, liked to have fun, um, enjoyed each other's company and liked the same things, I would say, too. Both loved golf, both loved horses, horses both yes. enjoyed entertaining. Loved their ranch, uh, loved good food and good wine. Um, yeah, they were they were a great couple together. And they seemed to do everything together, much to the chagrin of Tex, because Diane would always beat him on the golf course and we'd hear about it for the next three days on a hole-by-hole course. And she would actually take money out of his wallet for beating him at playing golf. So they, they really had a... <laughs> Really had a cute relationship. Yeah, they did. They had fun together. Andrew and Jane spent a lot of time with Tex and Diane before they were married, when the MacGyvers were still dating. We would go over to their property on our golf cart, just scoot across the road, go into the house, and Tex looked upon himself as a gourmet chef. So I actually bought him a chef's jacket with his name on it, and we would go over there and he and I would open up the cupboards and find out what there was, and Jane and Dan- Diane would sit and chat, and Tex and I would conjure up some fantastic food. And this is something we must have done 50, 60 times, and it became quite a, a passionate thing to do. And usually by about 10 o'clock at night, we were all half asleep on the sofa, mm-hmm. and we'd kind of wake up and go, hey, it's time to go home. You know, they both had quite big jobs in um big careers in Atlanta, and they really enjoyed their ranch, as they called it. That's their time to relax, to be together, spend time, and do the things that they enjoyed doing. Yeah, they were like giggly teenagers. And I'm guessing Tex was well into his 60s when we met them, and and she was, I don't know, 10 years younger than him, maybe more, but they just acted like giggly teenagers all the time. And I used to comment when we got home from dinner with them, how sweet it was that they would sit there and hold hands because my own parents didn't used to sit and hold hands on the sofa. And here's a couple that have been married a couple of years and they've met each other later in life and they'd sit there and hold hands. It was very sweet. At one point, Andrew and Jane remember getting a call from Diane asking if they were free the following weekend. Said, do you want to go to Vegas? I said, what, next Friday? Said, yeah. I said, well, okay, we'll we'll see if we can find some tickets. No, 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 we'll fly in and pick you up. Oh, okay. So this is like it was, I'll send a taxi or an Uber. No, we'll fly in and pick you up. You they never they never exuded their wealth. You never would think, oh gosh, they're so posh and wealthy. They were just normal neighbors. Yes. And but obviously they were affluent. They flew into the local airport, picked us up. We flew to Texas and picked up a friend of theirs. And then we flew on to Vegas. And instead of going to see some gourmet restaurant or some amazing show or gambling all night, we went to the horse race, uh, the horse uh, rodeo. Rodeo, And we sat with all these people in jeans and T-shirts watching the horse rodeo. And and it just epitomized really what they enjoy doing. It was normal stuff. They loved their horses. And 
It wasn't all the glamorous stuff that perhaps they could afford. They'd probably done that in their past lives. Andrew says he knew Tex would borrow money from Diane from time to time, but it all seemed very natural and easy. I remember Tex saying to me, because he owned the ranch and the farm before he was married to Diane, and then they put this fabulous um, saloon on the back, as they Mm. called it, and it had accommodation at the top. I think at some point I remember Tex saying to me, yeah, yes, well, you know, I borrowed the money from Diane to build the saloon out the back. It's just tax advantageous to do that. But, you know, it's all ours now. We share all this together. From the outside, Tex and Diane MacGyver appeared to enjoy each other's company and the life they'd built together. They appeared to have it all. But in 2016, their love story came to a sudden and violent end. In late September of 2016, Tex and Diane MacGyver are planning an early fall weekend at the Putnam County Ranch with their good friend, Danny Joe Carter. Danny Joe is a cosmetologist who started doing nails in Atlanta back when there were only a handful of nail salons in town. She'd spent more than four decades in the industry building up her business. And along the way, she crossed paths with Diane MacGyver. At first, she'd do her nails almost every week. And then they started going out to dinner after Diane got her nails done. Danny Joe would later testify about her relationship with Diane and getting to know her in those early years of their friendship. She was very much a stickler about appointments. She kept appointments, canceled them. She expected you to do the same thing. And uh, she would usually get to an appointment about five minutes early. And if you were five minutes late, she had been there for half an hour. After we became friends which was kind of unusual because we were really different because I am not as punctual or as organized as she is. And, um, but, but we did go into dinner all the time. Then I started going to the functions at her company where they had parties or grand openings or something, and I got to know everybody at her office. Eventually, she got to know Tex, too, and she started traveling with the MacGyvers sightseeing in Paris, skiing in Colorado, snowmobiling in Yellowstone. Vacations typically paid for by the MacGyvers. And of course, Danny Joe had been out to the ranch plenty over the years, up to a few times a month. So on Friday, September 23rd, 2016, they'd made plans to meet up at Diane's office in Atlanta and then head out of town together. Before hitting the road, late that afternoon, Tex and Diane have some red wine at Diane's office. The three of them then get in the MacGyver's SUV and make the hour or so trip out to the ranch with Danny Joe at the wheel. And the weekend flies by like a lot of weekends at the MacGyver Ranch. Horses, good food, golf, and shopping. On Sunday, Diane and Tex head out for a day of golf, and Danny Joe stays behind to ride horses with another couple. And I was going to stay there and wait for this young couple that comes and exercises the horses uh, every week, I think, uh, to to ride and ride with me because it's really no fun. Well, it's not any fun for me to ride by myself. And then we were going to meet at the house probably around, I think it was 6 o'clock, and head out. Danny Joe is starving and thinking about a steak, so they head to Longhorn Steakhouse in Conyers, Georgia. It's on the way home, 
and this time, Diane is at the wheel. On the drive, Diane and Tex pass a tumbler of red wine back and forth, one of those Yeti tumblers with a top so the wine doesn't spill. And once at Longhorn, they head to the bar to wait for a table. Tex and Diane have another glass of wine while they wait. And then, after 10 or 15 minutes, they get a table. And another friend arrives for dinner. They order a bottle of wine for Tex and Diane to share. After a few hours of dinner and conversation, they head out to the MacGyver's 2013 Ford Expedition for the short trip back to Atlanta. Diane hands Danny Joe the keys. Danny Joe ends up driving, and it's because uh, Tex... um had a couple drinks, uh, was drinking some wine. Diane was having a good time as well. So Danny Joe was the designated driver. She was the one who got behind the wheel. Putnam County Sheriff Howard Sills says Diane and Tex were always careful not to drink and drive. They were the most conscious people I ever knew about not driving after drinking. And I don't mean like, I mean, I can drink a beer, get in my car, I, you know what I'm saying, it's something like that. But they, they wouldn't even do that. One drink of anything, and they were going to have somebody drive them, uh, whether it was someone they knew or hired a driver or Uber or what, whatever. And so they set off for the last leg of the journey home. Danny Joe at the wheel, Diane in the passenger seat, and Tex in the back, directly behind Diane. And as they're driving into the city... It was 2016, and it was around the time where it, big in the news were some of the um, protests that were taking place, the Black Lives Matter uh, protests. And they got to Buckhead, and there was some traffic on the main road. And Texas in the backseat, he's not driving. Um, but as he's sort of in and out of consciousness, because he's dozing off, falling asleep, um, Danny, Joe, and Diane decide to take one of the exits to get away from the traffic. And now they're off of the highway and and in downtown Atlanta. And at this point, um, there is some concern in the car because, and there's different stories, different versions of it, but concern about um, possible danger because of who is in uh, in the streets. Now, one story that came out was that Tex was very concerned about Black Lives Matter protesters being there and it being very dangerous. Um, another version of the story is that they got off of the highway and, and under the underpass was a place where there was a, a, many homeless uh, people were. Either way, as a result of this fear, Tex asked Diane to give him his gun, which he keeps in, in the in console in, in, the, in the truck. So she goes in there and in a, in a shopping bag, like from a supermarket, a plastic shopping bag from a supermarket is his his gun. And now he's in the back seat with the gun and Danny Joe and Diane are in the front seat and they start driving and they're on Piedmont Avenue and you're, and you're heading from downtown Atlanta to, to Buckhead, which is north of Atlanta. At some point, as the MacGyvers and Danny Joe are driving through Atlanta, Danny Joe and Diane in the front and Tex in the back with the gun in his hand. At some point, the gun goes off. And it pierces the passenger seat and ends up striking Diane. And she is now shot. And at first, Danny Joe thinks that there's a joke going on because Diane says, I've been shot. And what, what, what do you mean you've been shot? And there's, there's a level of panic inside this Ford Expedition. 
But at that point, Tex seems to take over in, in, in telling Danny Joe what to do, where to go. Where they go, much will be made of that decision in the months and even years that follow. They're near downtown Atlanta, which has a hospital called Grady Memorial, which is the leading trauma center. I mean, anyone who's in law enforcement, uh, people know that gunshot victims, you go to Grady. It is the place where they are set up to handle uh, gunshot victims. And they're closest to Grady. They're very close to that hospital. But Tex is directing Danny Joe not to go to Grady, uh, but to go further north to Emory. Atlanta attorneys and 11 Alive legal experts Daryl Cohen and Latonia Hines were also surprised by Tex's decision to take his critically injured wife to Emory instead of the closer hospital. If someone is shot and you're fairly close to Grady Hospital, which is the biggest and best trauma hospital I've ever known, why not go there? Why not? Why drive to Emory? I really go back to this because I think if you ask anybody who's from Atlanta, you your your wife has been shot by you. You are closer to Grady. Anybody who lives here knows go to Grady. But you choose to go outside of the place that is closest to go over to Emory, which is not known for that, and drive extra time. Very strange. But Howard Sills, the sheriff of Putnam County and longtime friend of the MacGyvers, says the hospital choice made sense to him and still does today. I policed Atlanta for many, in the metro Atlanta area for many years, okay? If I get shot, if I get shot today, my deputies know that if I'm seriously wounded, put me on a helicopter and get me to Grady. No place in the United States of America, I do believe, unless whatever the public hospital is in Chicago uh, or, or maybe Los Angeles has more experience in treating gunshot wounds than Grady Hospital. But to the rich affluent, the average rich affluent Atlanta, they would never think of going to Grady. Okay, that would be that would be beyond their. Okay, that 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 would be beyond their thought process, and so that, in my opinion, is why they went to Emory. Once they arrive at Emory, there's surveillance video without any audio of Danny Joe pulling up to the emergency room entrance and Tex getting out of the SUV first as hospital staff rush to get Diane out of the passenger seat. And when asked what happened by Emory nurses and hospital staff, Tex says for the first of many times, it was an accident. But Diane MacGyver doesn't survive the night. She's pronounced dead at Emory University Hospital in the early morning hours of September 26, 2016. The MacGyver's friends, Andrew and Jane Ward, at this time living in North Georgia and operating a golf club, hear about the shooting. One of the members gave me a call and said, did you hear Tex MacGyver has just killed Diane? I said, what? And this person happens to be Diane's previous husband, who happened to be a member in our club. 
I said, are you, are you serious? That's not the kind of thing you normally pick up the phone and tell somebody. He said, no, nah, I've got a friend who works in the sheriff's department in Atlanta, and apparently that's what happened. So I called uh, one of my best friends, the sheriff of Putnam County, Howard Sills, and said, Howard, have you, have you heard anything about Diane and Tex? Yeah, I was with them last week. We, got, we were just checking. No, no, no. Have you heard anything today. like today? And I explained what I'd been told, and he said, nah, that's ridiculous. Nah, I'll find out for you. And he called me back later that day and said, yeah, she's gone. That There's been a, an accident with a gun, and, and she's gone. And I just, you know that what? Was, yeah, we didn't know any details. My world fell apart yeah. knowing that and, and that it had happened. Andrew continues to check in with Sheriff Howard Sills, learning more details about what happened inside the SUV that night. I, I would call Howard again, my friend, and say, well, what's going on? He said, well, apparently the, they're in a bit of a rough area, or he was concerned about the shortcut they were taking home, and and a gun was passed back to him out of the car in a paper bag and plastic bag, and somehow it went off. A few days later, he talks to Tex about Diane's death. And called him and said, my gosh, what's happened? And he, he could hardly talk to me on the phone. He was very distraught. And he just kept saying, my Diane, my Diane, my Diane, I've lost her. Um, so, you know, we we just started to learn more about what happened off the news, really. Um, we would call and chat to him and ask him how he was doing. And he, he just kept saying, they think I did it on purpose. People are saying I did it on purpose. So don't be ridiculous, Tex. We know you. We know how much you adored, absolutely adored her. So I think he was in shock those first five, six, seven days. I, I, I think would be. he was walking around in a in a fog. Yes. He was in a fog, and I'm not sure he did what he was supposed to do, or he got the right kind of guidance he should have got. I think the guy was in a fog. And, and my heart went out to him and also to Diane. We couldn't believe what had happened. Andrew eventually learns more from Tex and what he says happened inside the car and at the hospital. And I remember Tex saying to me, Diane said, Tex, Tex, you shot me. You damn shot me. I remember Tex saying to me when we were wheeling her in, we thought she'd be fine. I'm never going to hear the end of this. I am I am going to be teased about this for the rest of my life yeah, with her. Yeah. And the and Diana apparently said to the doctor, he shot me. It was an accident, but he shot me. The news of Diane MacGyver's death at the hands of her husband spreads quickly. Tex MacGyver has no recollection of ever pulling the trigger from where he sat in the back seat. The shooting happened here on Piedmont Avenue near Piedmont Park. And as it does, Tex's claim that it was an accident draws scrutiny. How does a gun just go off if the gun's in a bag? In my opinion, I don't see how that's possible. Could a older man be a bit nervous in a historically black neighborhood that he doesn't know much about? Probably so. He could be a racist, but maybe not a killer. And what happened inside the hospital as Diane was rushed into surgery would, for many, make Texas' story even more difficult to believe. Next time on Intent, the Tex McIver case. He's telling her to not say that she drove there, to... to lie 
and leave out the fact that she was in the car when Diane was shot. And I'm going to say this, too, and I hate to say it. I didn't notice it at the time. My wife had noticed it to some extent. But Tex was beginning to slip, slip a little, I mean, uh, mentally. Intent, the Tex McIver case, is a co-production of Vault Studios and 11 Alive WXIA News in Atlanta. Thanks for all of the support from 11 Alive News Director Jennifer Rigby and my colleagues at 11 Alive, including Addie Haney, Wes Rada, Jack Scott, Kelly Kremis, Jesse Nussman, and Tian Johnson. Also, special thanks to Court TV lead anchor Vinnie Politan and our legal experts Latonia Hines and Daryl Cohen. Will Johnson and Brian Weiss are executive producers with Vault Studios. Reed Redman produces, researches, and edits the podcast. Richard Humphreys at Tacoma Media in Silver Spring, Maryland, mixes and edits the show. You can find me on Facebook at Caitlin Ross 11 Alive or on Twitter at Caitlin Ross 1. You know that science solves crimes. Forensic science is exciting, challenging, and most of all, rewarding work. But there is a shortage of qualified individuals in this field. Hi, I'm Terry with Loyola University, Maryland's Forensic Science Department. Loyola is one of the only colleges in the country offering advanced degrees in forensic pattern analysis and biological forensics. Our courses, taught by forensic experts, feature hands-on training and small class sizes. They are based on real crime scene and forensic examiner training programs to ensure you are ready to make a difference. Our programs are open to students from a variety of academic backgrounds because we believe everyone can contribute to solving crimes. So what are you waiting for? Discover the excitement of forensic science at Loyola University, Maryland. Visit loyola.edu forward slash forensic for more information. That's loyola.edu forward slash forensic because you are ready to make a difference. Join one of Loyola University, Maryland's forensic science programs today.